Welcome to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. In this episode, Christopher Mitchell connects with Mike Scott, City Manager from Moultrie, Georgia. Moultrie is one of several rural communities working in concert to bring internet, TV, and phone to local citizens at an affordable price. Moultrie and the surrounding region is yet another community that needed to serve itself when the private sector stayed away. Mike and Chris talk a little about how these communities came together to create their own network that serves households, businesses, schools, libraries, and government in Moultrie. In addition to spraying economic development, Mike describes how Moultrie's approach also centers on quality of life and how the network has managed to expand beyond the borders of Moultrie. Let's go to the interview. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Community Broadband Bits. Uh, today I'm talking with the city manager, uh, Mike Scott, city manager of Moultrie, Georgia. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Can you start by telling us a little bit about uh, Moultrie and uh, what the, um, the situation is there in terms of the economics and the size of the community, whether you're rural, all those sorts of details? Moultrie is a, a community of about 15,000 people in a county of approximately 40,000 people. We're in the southwest corner of uh, Georgia. It's a rural area, heavily agriculture, and we're we're a full-service city. We do solid waste, water, sewer, electric, natural gas, and telecommunications. So we we offer all those services. So you have this incredible network that has helped to uh, keep jobs in the community and bring new jobs to the community. Can you tell us a little bit about the early days and why you decided to get involved in uh, telecommunications? In the late 90s, when uh, the, the Internet was was just becoming the, the, the buzz, uh, we were trying to get Internet capabilities into our cities. And uh, the the large telecom providers just were not making that investment, and we could not even get an answer when we might get uh, the, the internet service and, and the high speed uh, data services that are required by businesses. And as as everybody knows, that just kept growing at a, a very fast pace, and we we were falling behind. And um, we saw that it was a quality of life thing for our citizens, but also uh, we needed it for economic development. If we did not provide that service, we were going to be left in the dust, and um, and we we weren't willing to do that. So you did have a uh, you did have a cable network, right? The uh, we we had various companies supplying cable TV. In the communities, and then the city of Thomasville had had started uh, their uh, dial-up service, and they were providing dial-up service to their communities. and And these four cities had, had talked about uh, looking at different ways that we could uh, provide services to our communities at lower cost, just by uh, aggregating our our customer in our citizen base. And it kept coming back to um, poor service on the cable, but also internet was becoming a, a more important issue than the cable. And we, as I said, we just couldn't get any answers or any commitments on 
when we would be brought into the uh, to, to get those services. You certainly had a tradition of solving your own problems with the, uh, as you said, you're a full-service city. Absolutely. I mean, they, we've kind of pride ourselves. We've been self-reliant down here, and, and we're all electric cities. We all have natural gas, so those synergies were, were really working for us. We're, we're in close proximity to each other, and uh, we, we work. I mean, we assist each other all the time anyway. It came together very easily. Uh, but the template for the four cities and four counties working together was, was kind of amazing. Uh, in the early days, we had a group from out of state come down to look at our uh, system and see how we put this together, and they they, they were uh, impressed with the technology and all the things that we've done. One of the things that really amazed them was the ability of four cities and four counties to come together build this this organization and this system and then operate it. And uh, they, they just, there's a lot of people come from uh, areas where cities and counties just can't work together, and they, they really thought that was something. So uh, we, we pride ourselves on that, too. Well, absolutely. It's it's a terrific story, and, imp- and I think it's one that's really valuable today because in many areas, it would be a duplication of investments if you had uh, four different cities and four different counties, each building their own head end and everything else. Um, but let's let me ask, how did that start? Was there one city that had the idea and others came along, or do, do you all know each other already? How how did that relationship begin? Well, we we worked together, and and uh, they originally, I think, were looking at. Um, doing some kind of uh, purchasing for electrical type equipments, transformers and poles and that kind of thing, and see if we could do like a, a central warehouse. And I believe that's where the original idea came from. And, and, and if I remember right, I believe that was through the city of Cairo and Thomasville that originally started those discussions. And like I said, Thomasville had had their system, and and uh, w- once we, we got talking about this, uh, each city did a a uh, business plan, if you will, and uh, looked at the cost of getting into the business. And at the time, I was city manager in, in uh, Camilla, and uh, Camilla was the smallest of the four cities. And without the the participation of the other cities, we we could just not have made a go of it. The numbers just were not there due to the cost of the head-in and the startup and the operation and all that. But when you join all four cities together, uh, then those numbers looked a lot better, and we were able to do it. Each individual city passed resolutions, and uh, we did revenue bonds, and uh, we owned the, the head-in, and we owned all the fiber, and and uh, then each city is responsible uh, for the, for the territory within their their particular region, did you split the costs on the basis of population? Some of it is uh, customer based. Uh, some of it was uh, uh, more or less population, but mo- most of it is uh, customer based. Now, with the the head in and some of these joint, uh, we just pay twenty five percent each across the board. Uh, some of those things are just divided up 
uh, by the quarter. Right. Most of it's done on customer numbers. How has the debt repayment gone? Is that according to schedule? And, and different cities did different lengths on their bonds. And uh, I, I think uh, Moultrie's we should pay out in, uh, I believe it's 2017, so it's not too far down the road. So what have some of the benefits been? You you built this network uh, because you weren't going to get access to the Internet on a timely basis otherwise, and you wanted to make sure you had the highest quality of service. Uh, what's resulted? We've uh, estimated we've probably created about 6,000 jobs down here uh, due to the, the economic development. That's in our four counties. Uh, the other things that, that we did, one of the goals that we wanted to do as an organization was to connect all our schools. And I, I, now we have 66 of our schools within those four counties connected with uh, fiber optic cable. And so that in, enhances their uh, distance learning capabilities and also their internal networks, payroll and, and the, those types of things. So we're, we're kind of proud of that. Um, regarding the schools, I think that's it's always tremendously important. Uh, people, I think, don't understand that in area in a number of rural areas, schools just have to pay so much. It's a real drag on the budget. Uh, can you compare what your schools are getting from your network versus what they'd have to be getting uh, from the existing providers? I'm sure there is a savings there, and we being in a rural area too, we have some schools that were several miles out into the county. Uh, that would would probably never been served had we not started this uh, this initiative. But like I said, we've got those uh, schools connected, and we've also uh, partnered with a couple schools in two other counties that are not a members of our organization. But through intergovernmental agreements, we've gone out into two other counties to provide schools in those counties with connectivity. Regarding um, the expansion of the network, and you know you've you've connected these schools, and when we talked a little bit before we started recording, you said that there's another town that's connected through one of the four member towns. Um, has the network expanded beyond that, or could it expand beyond that? Yes, it could, and we we uh, look at those expansions all the time. And uh, currently here. In uh, Moultrie, we're looking at doing the same thing in a couple of the uh, smaller outlying towns in our communities that are underserved. Is there any way that you might recommend for policymakers who are trying to figure out how to connect the some of these people in the unincorporated areas where the density is even lower? Uh, have you connected anyone um, that fits those circumstances? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure whatever the industry standard is for so many customers per mile, that we're way below that. Uh, we, we look at it more as uh, not so much profit-driven, but, but um, as I said, a quality of life for the residents and also economic development because you get out in some of these outlying areas and uh, there, there's businesses out there that rely on the Internet, but they just can't get the, the speed that they need. And... Uh, we, if at all possible, uh, we try to get to them and get them hooked up and make it so they have the same uh, capabilities that somebody could have in downtown Atlanta. 
Um, I have to ask you something that I, I ask almost all of our guests that are from rural areas, and that's there's this sense among Washington, D.C. policymakers and some of the other people in big towns that people in rural areas just they don't want to use the Internet or they don't understand how to use it. And, and I'm always curious to get your reaction as someone who's working in these areas. Well, when someone says that to you, how do you react? I don't know. It's kind of offensive sometimes when you hear that because that's exactly uh, some of the attitude that we get because we're down here in South Georgia that uh, that connectivity is not required. And uh, I would invite any of those people to come down here and take a look at it. And usually uh, it, it just requires some education to show them what's happening down here and the technology that takes place. I'll give you a, sh a short example. Uh, several years ago, when uh, we were just getting into the business, uh, our four city authority was having a meeting in one of our cities. And we were going to invite our uh, state representative uh, who was in Atlanta at the time, and we were going to video conference him into our, our meeting that we were having at the time down in Manila. We could not get connectivity to Atlanta in Atlanta. So we had our representative took him to uh, uh, the Municipal Electric Authority of Georgia, which is our uh, electric organization. And we had somebody drive him up there. And we connected then uh, from their headquarters in north part of Atlanta to Camilla so we could have that video conference because they did not have that capability in downtown Atlanta at that time. Yeah, that's a that's a good story. Um, you know, we we hear those sorts of things. I mean, a lot of people still don't realize that that in many of these towns where you've done it yourself, you have uh, the technology far ahead of others, even in urban areas. Oh yes, if if you come in here and if you tell our hospitals and our schools and uh, our businesses that uh, they they don't need or deserve the the same service that they're getting in uh, other larger areas, larger population areas, I think they'd hear a pretty good argument from, from our business community. Well, in, in fact, they did, right? I mean, there's this bill that is now fortunately stopped uh, in, the, in the Georgia legislature, the Georgia General Assembly, um, that would have made it very hard for other communities to do what you've done, and it would have made it harder for you to expand. So I'm, I'm very glad that you were able to make sure your voice would be heard in that process, and, and the legislature uh, sensibly voted not to restrict your authority. Absolutely, and that, that's, I think that's the third time that that's come up, that they've tried to do a, like a preemptive strike on us through legislation. And... Um, we were fortunate again to have, have that defeated, and I, I would expect it to come again. But we keep uh, getting a stronger voice. But it, it's a it's a tough fight when you're you're fighting those uh, big dollar companies. I mean, they they got a lot of uh, money and lobbyists and things like that that we uh, that we can't do, and it, it's a uphill battle. But fortunately, uh, we we had good representation in the legislature and those people um, fought the fight for us and, and it was a lot of hard work but we, we were happy of the outcome. 
Yes, well, I think that something that's often missed is that while all of those companies basically live in the legislature, and uh, there are a few representatives of Georgia municipalities that are able to also spend a lot of time in the legislature. You know, for for a city manager to drive up there and testify and spend a day, that's that's a real hit. You know, that's a real chunk of your of your job that you have to put on pause to go and take care of this. And um, I just hope that I would love for you not to have to do that again. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm always amazed at just how many interesting stories there are from towns that have done really great things that too few people know about. Yeah, it's, it's by no means been easy. I mean, there's been a lot of work to it, a lot of pain, <laughs> Yeah, all that, all that kind of thing. And, and, uh, but it, it's, coming along and we're, we're into the telephone business also uh, I, I think cell phones gonna uh, change change that playing field but we do offer uh, telephone service yeah I kind of suspect that in another five or ten years people will think why would I pay for a phone call in the same way that they think why would I pay for an email yeah, what I, what I think you're going to see is it's going to get away from the residential and, and it, it's going to be into the small business and commercial because they're so, still going to have to have that right. uh, landline uh, switchboard type thing, and I think that's where you're going to see uh, see it go. I mean, we're talking over voice over IP right now. We've installed that in all of our um, city offices here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we've cut our phone bill about fifty percent. Wow! Uh, I mean that, that's that's the future, and and we want to be there. And had we not done it, we'd still be picking up the crumbs. Well, is there anything else that we should know about Moultrie that we haven't covered? We, we did a, a DVD that we made available to some of our legislators, and also explains the kind of the history of our four city authority. And we could also make that available uh, to you, and and you could use it uh, however you wish. But I think it's it's a good thing just telling our story from starting from scratch, really zero customers, and we're up to eighteen thousand customers now. We're still looking at growing, and uh, I, I, we've we've become uh, become a pretty big operation. Yes, we would love to. We'd love to see the DVD and love to put it up on our website and share it with uh, with others. So uh, please do share that with us, and we'll get it up with our um, along with this story. Sure, we'd be happy to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you having us. That was Christopher and City Manager Mike Scott from Moultrie, Georgia. We hope you get the chance to check out the video Mike mentioned that describes the network and its benefits. You can also learn more about the community by visiting the city website at MoultrieGA.com. Follow the CNS button for Community Network Services to learn details about what the network offers residents and business customers. We want your questions or comments. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter to learn about all the most recent developments relating to community networks, broadband policy, and telecommunications. Our handle is at CommunityNets. This show was released on March 26, 2013, thanks to D. Charles Spear on the Helix for their song, Freddy's Lapels, licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.